This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. It's not to be taken as financial advice. I want to pass on skills to my children because I want them to be able to have that mindset and the skill set to say, hey, I want to buy my own home or I want to buy my own Airbnb or I want to buy my own you know, stock or crypto, whatever it is. They need to learn those skills because money's not going to do anything for them because money's just a tool. You're listening to the RE Social Podcast with your hosts, Andrew and Vince from Onvi Invest. For more information, go to onviinvest.com. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of RE Social. Today, we have a super special guest. We got the G-Daddy, Gino Barbara from Jake and Gino. I had the pleasure of meeting him in an event last year. Um, we will be going to that one this year, too. But Gino, say hi. Welcome to the gang. Uh, when I went to that event, Vince, I saw you there. You're all dressed up, all sharp, looking good, and you're representing today again. So uh, it's really fun to be on the show today talking about real estate. And it is social, isn't it? Isn't it a network? Isn't it about getting together and, and just either partnering with people, collaborating with people? That's what real estate to me is all about. It's all about the relationship. And you know, this podcast is one of those relationships that hopefully we get to know each other a little bit better. Yeah, man, we say um, RE social, you know, it's just, uh, it's real assets, real estate, and then it's just being social conversation about your future, you know, just meeting the right people. You know, that event, uh, I think Drew's first book he ever read was uh, your book, actually. I think it was Wheelbarrow Profits, right, Drew? By complete coincidence, the book that I read after Rich Dad, Poor Dad, mm-hmm. I don't even know how I, something on Audible search and it's like, oh, Wheelbarrow Profits, cool, that looks good, real estate, something, right? Knowing nothing, yeah. like having no knowledge of the language of real estate, how anything works. That was the first one. So thank you very much, man. It's the Purple Bible. And the Purple Bible tells you why you need to do it. And everyone needs to read the rich. I read, I actually had Sharon Lecter on our podcast about a year ago. And I had all 13 of her books. I'm like, here are all your books I've read. And she's an amazing author. He's an amazing author. You need to start there. You need to understand that's the mindset. That's the front game. If you don't get your mindset straight, you can go talk about cap rates. You can talk about the three-step framework. You can talk about the three pillars. It's not going to matter because your behaviors are belief-driven. And getting that why is really important. He teaches you the why. Wheelbarrow Profits teaches you the how. Yeah, it's exactly right. Uh, it's a it's a really good read. It's it's not too long. It's very easy to understand how you can add value to you know apartments and how you got started. And you know it takes like almost a year for you guys to get your first deal, right? I remember very clearly. And well, then, uh, I'm, I met Jake in 2009. He was a pharmaceutical mm-hmm. rep, and I was working in the restaurant, and I was catering his lunches to doctors' offices. And in 2009, I saw he was a grinder, hustler, young, hungry. In 2011, he decides to leave New York. He is a deserter. I'm like, bro, where are you going? Are you going to not? Where's Knoxville? I didn't know where Knoxville was back in 2011. So he moves to Knoxville, and I'm like, Jake, you know, there's some deals down here. We we're looking at real estate up in New York. I'm like, you know, Loopnet's got these deals at 30 a door. This stuff makes sense. When you get down there, let's get together and let's start working together towards it. And it took us 18 months, Vince, for that first deal. And I had already gotten my education. I had already gotten two mentorships. I had already started buying other deals up in up in upstate New York. But when Jake moved down there. It was a great start for me. I mean, we got lucky with the market. That market has exploded since. It's continued to grow, but it, it did. It took us 18 months to find that first deal. He, Jake was from sales, so he may have had the misconception that he was doing the real estate brokers a, a favor by actually saying, hey, 
you got to send me the deals wherein they are the gatekeepers. They're the ones that you treat with kid gloves. And it took him 18 months to understand that. And when you start building those relationships with the brokers and start letting them know that you're credible, that you can close in a deal, that you're going to treat them fairly, that if they un- they send the deal over to you, you underwrite it right away and you send it back to them, tell them yes or tell them no. I think it took us a little while to figure that component out. But once we did, we we're able to build those relationships. And that's how we started the portfolio. That's, that's really good, man. Actually, Gino, I wanted to break down a little bit into the partnerships and mindset. I know you talk a lot about it. So, you know, just like, you know, how Jake and Gino is like you guys figuring it out. It's, it's pretty much like Andrew and Vince. That's what Envy is. So we have 7 million in assets, but you guys have a little bit more. Uh, so I wanted to uh, pick your brain on how did you figure out that Jake is a good partner for you? Or was he like a good family guy? Was he like trustworthy or like what, why did you pick him? Well, now that I've learned and I've got tons of coaching, I've got other partners, the word that we describe, it's called values-based decision-making. I I think my values really aligned with Jake's. And I, I didn't know at the time, it was just something intuitive. I thought he was a great guy. I thought he was an immensely hard worker. I never heard an excuse from him. He never was late for a lunch. He always told me that he needed his lunches two weeks in advance. So he was always planned out. He was willing to work. He was willing to do the hard work family guy, all of that fit my buckets. And and the other thing is that he wanted long-term, he wanted multifamily and that's what I wanted. I didn't want to jump around, do single family homes at the time. There wasn't crypto, Bitcoin is just coming out, but I didn't want any of that stuff. I wanted one, one niche and that's what we wanted. And we started and Vince, the great thing about it is you can start out with a partnership. If it works, great. Continue along buying deals. If it doesn't stop it, nip it in the bud. And for us, everything worked because We never made an excuse with each other. Listen, he's on vacation in Destin, Florida right now. We had a podcast this morning. He was on the podcast. His internet sucked, but he was on the podcast at work. I'm going to Europe tomorrow. I'm going to be on calls while I'm away in Europe. There's no such thing as time off. I mean, he needs me. I need him. That's what partnership's all about. When somebody's down, the other person picks that person up. And entrepreneurship, being in real estate can be lonely at times. And to me, Having him is a massive benefit. Having my wife is amazing. I wouldn't be here without my wife, but at some junctures, I can't talk to her about deals. I can't talk to her about what's going on in the office certain times. I need a partner that I can rely upon. And when I think about him, I I, I, I don't sound corny, but I get happy. I, I feel a feeling of, okay, he's got my back. And that's why I'm willing to go to bat for him. And I've got his back. And if you're looking at a long-term partnership, you, your, your values really need to align. And for us, I'll give you a perfect example. Back in 2018, 19, everyone thought the market was really hot. We pulled back on deals. We weren't just doing deals to do deals. We're saying, let's be smart. Let's buy deals within our market. One of our other partners was like, gung-ho, let's go at it. And we didn't feel that was in alignment. So we actually broke up with that person. Now, looking back, was that the right decision? We weren't ready to buy more deals. So for us, it was the right decision. I wish we had bought more stuff, but that's okay. But when you're looking with partners, really Focus upon what your values are, what your standards are, and see if you can align with a, with a person. And you know, for us, it was great from day one. I, I enjoyed the, like I said, immensely. We started looking at deals. Actually, in 2011, after about six months, he moved his fiance down to Florida, down to Tennessee. We stopped looking for a little while because he actually ended up buying a house. But I knew that there was something there. So we just recontinued on. We reconnected and said, Jake, let's start doing this because you hate your pharmaceutical job. I want to do something other than the real estate. And that was that burning desire. You need There has to be a need also. If you're just getting together and, hey, let's see if this thing works out, that's never going to work in life. There needs to be a need or a desire from both sides to want to get together and to want to be able to create something. Something together. 
That's that's a really good answer, man. Um, so just going off that, so what do you tell people like they're saying, hey, you know, yeah, sure, you have, you know, uh, hundreds of millions of dollars in real estate, but you know, you have to split it with somebody else. That's like something common that we get all the time. Why do you want to split it with Drew? Drew, why do you want to split it with Vince or Jake or Gino? Same situation. Why can't you just do it by yourself? What do you tell to those people? Like, like I just told you uh, before we started recording, there's a gentleman named Benjamin Hardy. He's written yeah. about 10 books. One of his books is called Who Not How. Mm-hmm. Gino can't do everything. Gino wouldn't be on this podcast and have Jake and Gino if it wasn't for Jake, because Jake does the property management side of the business and Gino takes care of the education side. They both come together in what we call complementary streams of revenue. So I want you to picture a, a, a spoke of a bike. You have the bike. In the middle is the multifamily. From that multifamily, all of a sudden we start creating other forms of revenue. The first one was property management. Then it was Jake and Gino education. Then it was syndication. Then it was 100 year. We're doing selling whole life insurance for real estate investors to be able to invest those cash proceeds into, into the real estate. Now we have development. Gino can't do all those by himself. So I'd rather have a little sliver of each pie than have the whole pie of one entity. And for me, I had that, that scarcity mindset. That's what we call a scarcity mindset. It's not an abundance mm-hmm. mindset. It's about hoarding everything. And I've been able to learn so much through the podcast and through the education that it made Jake a much better investor. It made his property management company much stronger, which makes me much stronger in the long run as well. And I'm willing to quote unquote share because I know I can't do it all. I'm not good at a lot of tasks and neither is Jake. He's good in certain areas. I'm good in certain areas. And you put those two together and you have a little bit of magic. Does that make sense? That's, yeah, that's that's really good, man. So so let's break down the story, right? Because I like to hear the story and how you get started. So like everyone else, your dad, I'm assuming, gave you $50 million and you bought the first deal, right? That's, that's not <laughs> I wish. Goes. Well, yeah. my story is a little bit different. I, I My father was in the restaurant business, immigrant. Uh, I went to work with him when I was eight years old. So I worked with him my entire life. So when I got out of college and I was 22, I'm like, dad, what do we do? I hate working in a cubicle. So he's like, let's open a restaurant. So we opened the restaurant and I had worked there for about 15 years. In 2007, he passes away. And I stopped there and I said to myself, am I, am I really focusing on his dream or am I building my dream? Because he, he, was, he was my best friend. I mean, I went to work with him for, you know, every day. My whole entire life, I was always with the guy. I loved working with him. I wanted to make him proud of me. And when that was gone, there's a little bit of a void and then 2008 hits and all of a sudden the economy goes upside down. I mean, jobs or no jobs and recession. I mean, that was a true recession and I got stuck there. I'm like, I need to do something else. At the time I had four kids. I have six kids now. And I'm like, I need to create more income. I need to do something else. So for me, it was that scarcity mindset of going out and trying to buy a couple of little deals and make some passive income. So at least I have some money set aside my middle-class mindset to be able to pay for college or to be able to pay for a wedding or to be able to pay for my retirement, save for my retirement. And I, when I read the book in 2008, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind by T. Harv Eker, that changed everything for me because I was always about blaming other people, whether it was at the time Obama got elected, whether it was the economy, whether it was the Great Recession. I'm blaming everybody except myself because I look around and I'm like, well, there's people out there making millions of dollars. What are they doing? So that really affected me. And when I met Jake, I'm like, we need to get into multifamily because I can't fix and flip homes. I suck at contracting. I can barely 
freaking, you know, I can barely get a screwdriver and, and use a screwdriver. So I'm like, I'm not doing fix and flips. I'm working full time at the restaurant. Let's try this multifamily thing where we can buy assets that are all together and we can continue to scale. And when we hit a certain point, Jake, you can leave your job first. And then after you leave yours, I can wait a little longer since I have more kids. I have a bigger nut. I'll leave mine. So that's how the story really started. And, you know, for him, he was a lot younger. He didn't know the business. That's why when people say, you know, you, you, you get lucky in life. I, I was one who had the skill set, who knew how to do multifamily. I knew how to underwrite deals. I knew how to take deals down and close deals. He had the willingness, the desire, and he was boots on the ground. So you put those two together and, you know, I guess it was lucky, but thank God we met and here we are today. I'm kind of curious as to how you decided on real estate. Like how did you decide that was my path and not say something else asset wise? It's a great question, Andrew. For, for me, uh, my mom owned the restaurant. She owned the building. And upstairs, she had three apartments. So the restaurant was paying her the mortgage. And I'm out one night in January. I'll never forget this. It's the middle of the night on a Friday night. We got about six inches of snow. I'm out there throwing salt on the ground. I'm shoveling the driveway. And I'm like, guess I'm not paying again this week. Work for nothing this week. And I look up, it's 20 degrees outside. That's why I moved to Florida. And I see one of those windows with the lights on. I'm like, man, she's home right now. She's getting paid. Those, those tenants are paying her for the month. She's not losing any, any, any rent or any money. They're paying her for the month. I'm losing here. I was on this treadmill every week. And it was great. And it's, it's an addiction. It's, there's adrenaline to it. It's transactions. At the end of the week, you get paid. But you're not really building anything because you got to do it again. And you got to do it again. And when you're younger, that's okay, but you're not building wealth. You just, it's just basically a transaction, whether you have a small business or whatever. And that's how I got allured to the real estate. I'm like, she's building wealth while she's sleeping. It's a basic human need. It's food, clothing, and apartments. And there's so many great tax benefits. I always hear about this depreciation thing that, that she's got. I'm like, how do I get some of that? We ended up buying a fourplex. I'm like, well, that is pretty cool. Four units. But as an entrepreneur, you know, the value you bring is the more people you can serve, the more money you're going to make. So that's why apartments to me was the allure. The more residents I have, the more money I can make by serving more residents. So I was hooked early on into, into real estate, but I had the limiting belief of how can a pizza guy get into apartments if all he knows is pizzas? So how did you get the education get the confidence to like get into it and get it to the level that you guys are at now? That's another great question. Uh, for me, back in 2005, I made that first blunder, $172,000 partnered with a guy. We bought a mobile home park with a couple of partners. We created a syndication, but we wasn't classified as a syndication. And what that's the responsibility thing. We lost all that. We, I lost all that money in the deal. Uh, he lost it as well. He didn't have any money in the game. In the game. It was his time. I look back and I said, man, that was a great asset. I just didn't do my due diligence and I didn't understand what the hell I was doing. A year and a half later, I buy a strip mall in New York. I do the same thing. It's myself, but I don't understand the asset. I don't understand commercial leases. I don't understand the asset type. I don't understand market cycles, underwriting, due diligence, all these things that I didn't learn in the first deal. I didn't learn in the second deal either. And that's when I was like, time out. I need to figure out a mark, a strategy or a niche that I like. I like the small little multifamily that I had. I'm like, let me focus on multifamily. Let me focus on something that is not going to be affected by the internet. Let me focus on something that's a basic human need. Because for me, food was a basic human need. And, you know, people need to eat and they need to sleep. So I'm like, I like multifamily. And then I ended up joining a couple of mentorships. I invested in my education early on, thankfully, because when we started closing deals, Jake and myself, I had a mentor that I could lean upon give them a call and say, Hey, I need this doc. You have this doc. So Jake thought I was this smart 
dude who's just providing all this value. I'm like, not really. He's just my mentor. He's just helped me out here. And at the first three deals, walked us through the first three deals. And if it wasn't for that education, I probably wouldn't be here. But then the next iteration comes at about 600 units where Jake and I are trying to scale. And we're like, wow, how do you scale a company? Never done that before. Went out and hired coaches, whether it's EOS. We use scaling up coaches as well, where we start creating core values mission statements, our cadences of accountability. These are things that we're not taught in school. We need to learn these things if we want to scale and have a company that has 70, 75 employees. So we went back to the drawing board and started coaching with them as well. And every iteration of where you are, you need to level up and start your education. Don't look at education as an expense. That's what the middle class does. I think the wealthy mindset looks at education as an investment, at least the education that you're using to to grow yourself. I needed the education in multifamily, and then I needed this education that we're talking about right now to scale up a company, or else I wouldn't be able to have that infrastructure where we're growing and hiring people and being able to hold these people accountable. That coaching was really helped us immensely as well. That's so common. So many of the, the high level guys that I've been lucky to talk to like yourself consistently are about like mind get your mindset right and then get educated you know like get, uh, mentorships books obviously what kind of uh, books or mentors might you recommend or how to how to look for them how to look for certain mentors well you mentioned the word mindset and i read the book by stephen covey the seven habits and for me when i read it 15 years ago it, it really didn't do that much for me i, I don't know why maybe i was dense I, I just don't understand i read the book like 3 years ago i'm like where have you been my whole life i mean it was it's the most amazing book and it's really not that complicated I, I mean for me i mean i think everyone should do this lesson right now with me start with the end in mind you want to talk about mindset what do you want your legacy to be what do you want to be rec- realized as when your life is over when you're sitting on your deathbed i, I mean that's not a hard thing to do it may be challenging for us cuz we don't want to think about it. But if you don't know what you want to turn into, how do you know what actions you're going to take today to be able to take to be able to reverse engineer that? I mean, for me, that's why I'm doing this Jake and Gina education for the last four years and beyond, because I want to create impact. I mean, over 50,000 units our students have closed. I want to bring my family along on the journey. I want them to be part of it. I want them to come to all the events. I want to do the podcast with my wife. My wife has written a couple of children's books. If you see behind me, I want to impact financial education, right? People with financial intelligence can change the world for the better. If that's one of my thought processes, I want to be able to focus on that as well. So think about where you want to be at the end of your life and what impact you want to have created and how does multifamily fit in that multifamily for me fits into it. It's a great vehicle. It allows for great tax benefits. It allows for the ability to create that wealth for me to pass that legacy on to my children. And this whole education is not just about passing on money to my kids. I want to pass on skills to my children because I want them to be able to have that mindset and the skill set to say, Hey, I want to buy my own home or I want to buy my own Airbnb or I want to buy my own, you know, stock or crypto, whatever it is. They need to learn those skills because money's not going to do anything for them because money is just a tool. You have to, you need, you need to learn how to use that tool to be able to get whatever, whatever it is that you're, you're desiring towards that end, that end of your life. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely, man. Uh, well said. I wanted to get back to uh, something you said earlier that I, I really liked was you tried your thing with the, uh, the pizza shop, you did the fourplex and then you did the strip mall. But what I like about your story is that you're pivoting very aggressively in a very confident manner. So you, you say, okay, that didn't work. Okay, oh, I'm, oh you know what? I'm going to go home and watch Netflix the rest of my life, right? Mm-hmm. You didn't do that. And then you finally pivoted to multifamily, which seemed to have worked. So Drew and I are on the similar stage right now. So we started off with, you know, all of our units are duplexes and triplexes, right? We got like 30 of them. 
So it's worth about 7 million. And when we came to your event last year, we were at half that. So we, we tried to double our portfolio every year. So we went from 3 million to like 7 million in, uh, in assets control, but we are at the similar stuff where I'm actually, I actually met your uh, brother, Marco. Uh, I bought him a drink and I got into some uh, group and uh, I'm he actually must have talked, with... He must have talked your ear off. My brother is great, but my brother, once he starts going, bro, it's like a million miles dude, an hour. Your brother's great, the best, brother. dude. He we is, were having I know. Uh, drinks and we were talking at the bar and he said, hey, you know, give me a call and I'll introduce you to some of my guys in Tampa. And I was like, okay, great. Gino's brother is going to call me and talk to me. There's no way. He did call me exactly the same time he said. Yes. And then he literally hooked me up with people in Tampa and I'm working with them. They're also part of your um, uh, mastermind group too, I believe. You that might know awesome. them. Uh, Nico Salgado. I think oh, on yes. His podcast. New Yorker. Yes, absolutely. Great guys. Yeah. Great dudes. So uh, my question is, so we are in a crossroads where Drew is very good. Drew pretty much does what Jake does in your company. He's the property management guy. He knows business. He sells. He's selling his guitar lessons all day. And I'm more like on the education acquisition side as you, right? So we are in the crossroads, whereas we, I want to go more on the multifamily. I'm trying to develop something. It's been almost a year. I have zero success in it, right? But I have the team set in place. I'm making offers very expensive. And Drew is very heavily focused on Airbnb. So we have a couple of Airbnbs and we are trying to scale that. So what kind of advice would you give us or people who are looking at both the spaces? Like, what would you do? So for me right now, the market's a little strange. I mean, these last two years have been very, I don't want to use the word challenging, but every prediction has been absolutely wrong. We were supposed to be tanking in 2020. Rents were supposed to go in the toilet. There was no inflation, blah, blah. Now it's the opposite. Now rents are going crazy. Inflation is crazy. I think what you guys need to do is to have that mindset to be able to buy these assets in decades. You need to be able to think for the long term, especially in this part of the cycle. You need to have your buy rate criteria dialed in. What I mean by that is what kind of multifamily assets are you buying? For us, we're within a three-hour radius of Knoxville. We're looking at median incomes of at least $50,000. We're looking for assets between the 80s and newer. We're looking for townhomes. We love townhomes. We love brick. We love pitched roofs. We love two bedrooms if we can get them as well. We love properties with amenities such as washer, dryer hookups. Getting crystal clear on that. And you can do that in the Airbnb space as well. What kind of neighborhoods are you looking for? How? What size uh, are you on? Weekly rentals, uh, daily rentals, monthly rentals, whatever that is. Where's the median income? Getting dialed in on that is important. And, and the only problem with that is, unfortunately, it's constantly changing because the market cycle is changing. Because if you'd asked me my buy right criteria when I started, I was buying a lot of old crap because C properties were really cheap. You're adding value to them and your, your, your market's going up. Now, the problem is a lot of these sellers, if they sell, what are they going to do with the money? They're, they're, honestly, if you had a nice asset right now, you're going to sell it. Where are you putting your money? They don't know where they're putting their money. We're going to have opportunity in the next 12 to 24 months with these operators who their bridge debt's coming due or something's going on, interest only is burning off, and they haven't run the asset properly. They've been able to get away with it because they've been able to sell it for the last couple of years. But there's going to come a crossroads where rates are going to affect pricing and sellers are going to have to drop their prices sooner or later, or at least their limited partners are going to have to take a haircut, one or, one of the, one or two of those. So for for you guys, get focused on what you guys are buying in, in, in each of those in each of those assets. And I would say for me personally, scaling an Airbnb business is a lot more difficult than it is scaling a multifamily business. Because I'd rather buy 100 units than buying six or seven Airbnbs. I just, that's the way I'm thinking because I'm thinking, okay, Airbnbs, problem that I see, I live in the capital of Airbnbs. I live in St. Augustine, Florida. It is like the, I mean, you have 
night of lights in November, you have Easter, you have the summer, the beaches and all. The problem with them here is they can change rules right away. They can go from a weekly rental to a monthly rental. And I don't like when I don't have control. It's like having a channel on YouTube where all of a sudden YouTube changes its terms. And I'm not really controlling that revenue because YouTube is, is, the, uh, is the owner of the, of the rules. And that's one of the problems I see with Airbnb. Now, having a few and, and letting them pay your lifestyle, letting them pay you down and you're appreciating, that's great. I all, all, all aboard with that. But if I had to choose between the two, I would err more on the side of multifamily because you can scale up. You can hire after you get 100 units, a property manager or a maintenance tech. That That's the way I'm looking at both niches. And the, the Airbnb down here is great if you have a property management company and you're managing your own assets because you can start managing assets for other people as well. And that's how you scale because then all of a sudden someone wants to sell theirs, you can get theirs as well. So for you guys, focus on what it is that you're trying to accomplish with the Airbnb, what it is that you're trying to accomplish with the multifamily. And I would say get crystal clear on the type of assets that you want to buy. Because then all of a sudden, you guys are going to start scaling. You have to start talking to your investors. And your investors are going to say to you, multifamily, Airbnb, why are you doing both? Which one is better? Which one do you like better? And if you don't have the answers to why or which investor you're going to serve better, because some investors like Airbnbs, they might may like the quickness of it. Some may like multifamily where they get the tax benefits and they get the you know the length, the length of you holding the deal. So become crystal clear on what you're buying and have patience because the market will shake out. There are market cycles. It's just this market cycle has been extended because of COVID. You know, they kicked the can down the road. They printed so much damn money. There's so much money sitting out there right now. Now that's trying to find a home and nobody ever talks about the money coming from overseas. What about the money coming from China, from South America, from Europe? They don't have multifamily. And if they do, they're one in two caps. So when they see a three cap asset here built in 2018, they're all over that. That's the problem. They're underwriting and they're, they're buying based on their criteria. I'm not here to preserve wealth yet. I'm here to continue to create wealth. So when I'm looking at a lot of these deals that they're underwriting, I'm like, how does that even work? They have their own criteria. We need to set up what the criteria works for our personal, um, our, our personal plans. That's awesome, man. We actually, uh, that's a really good point. Yeah, Drew and I have a meeting today. We'll probably discuss what you said. The reason that we do, uh, we're pivoting to both is our long-term rentals makes us $0. Like we make no money off it after we pay the investors, right? Which is just my sister yes. and his mom and stuff. So uh, Airbnb is Drew's way of trying to bring more cash flow into the yes. business. And exactly. multifamily is my way to kind of scale up and kind of, you know, do all the depreciations. And uh, so would you would pool. you say, yeah, would you say then the Airbnb is more of a shorter term transaction, pay the bills kind of thing, which the restaurant for me was initially. And I needed that launch to get out of the restaurant to get into multifamily. That, that, that was my vision. Very same thing as you. I needed a couple hundred units. We started buying. I was making money day one on multifamily, but not a lot. So whatever money I made in multifamily, I refinanced it put it into the next deal. So it's very similar strategy. So for me, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's, it's really unique and personal. What you're doing a multifamily, the reason why people fail with multifamily is it's a long-term play. You may, like Jake says, the first 18 months, we made zero goose eggs. By the year two, we were making a little bit of money. By year three, it was okay. By year four, it's like, okay, now we're starting to see the fruits of our labor. And that's why a lot of people do not succeed in multifamily because they don't have that long-term vision. They want to get in and make money right away. They want to fix and flip a, fix and flip a home. It looks good. HGTV looks sexy. Once you're done, you make 50 Gs, but you got to pay capital gains on it. Did all that work and you got nothing left. And you got to go do it again. And you got to go do it again. 
and you got to go do it again. And you're not building wealth. You're on that hamster wheel. That's why multifamily is delayed gratification. If you can delay it, Vince, and hang in there, you're going to see the fruits of your labor the next 12 to 18 months. When you're buying these deals, your investors are making money now, but that's okay because when the deal comes to fruition, it'll work out. We call it the conveyor belt of real estate. We Think of a conveyor belt in front of you where you're putting deals on this conveyor belt, year one, year two, year three. After a certain time, they matriculate. That equity gets pulled out and you're able to buy another deal in the assets. So your Airbnbs right now are little assets on a conveyor belt that they're going to start paying you. And hey, maybe two or three years down the road, they they go up in value. You sell them out and you can buy a threeplex or a tenplex with it. So keep doing what you're doing. Keep trying to stack assets on a conveyor belt where you can matriculate that, that, that equity, whether by selling it, refining it, and putting it into the next deal. That's what that's the phase you guys are in right now, that growth phase. It's exciting. Yeah, we're definitely in the growth phase. Uh, Drew, did you have something to say? Yeah, just I, I'd rather keep it more about you know, you know, while we have them. But yeah, just to, as a backstory, uh, I'm a business owner. I love business. I'm passionate about like. There's a documentary about Dale Carnegie or Andrew Carnegie. I'm like, I have to stop everything. I'm obsessed with like, you know. So I've been very blessed. I've got a successful music school that I'm in here right now. I'm, I'm <laughs> like in one of the teaching rooms right now because my admins on like the phones right now in the other office, but. Um, it's gone very well. I've been very lucky. I've been all about quality first. And so when I kind of got it to where I didn't really need to be involved as much, I saw our books and I started to take over the controlling aspect a lot more for Vince because he's he's a brain. He's like he's the numbers guy. And I wanted to help him to narrow that down and focus on his strengths, my strengths being operating and people and all that. So with Airbnb, I wanted to just double our cash flow and but also with the contingency of running our numbers to where if the city said, Hey guys, party's over. Go yes. Home. Yes. In that case, we can still pivot with long-term tenants and yes. still make PITI. It's not a problem, you know? So I've got a question for you, Drew. How would you, how does your brain work like that? If you're musically inclined, cause usually when you're musically inclined, you have that, that gift of, of artistry, you're, you're outside where you're running a business, operating systems, processes that really does. They don't really blend. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I'm kind of a, a weirdo in that I, I'm a, I'm very creative. And so that actually does serve me well in setting up these Airbnbs. Uh -huh. You know, I, I'm not going to say I'm like a Martha Stewart. I'm, I'm definitely not. I always like bring a, a girlfriend or two to help me with design stuff, you know, but overall I can kind of just pull it off myself and make it look better than most guys for sure. <laughs> you know? Um, and so I have that kind of side of my brain that I'm able to tap into. But for some reason, I've been able to tap into this other side of my brain of uh, being analytical. I think I get from my dad of being able to see things long term, be able to focus on business. And it, am I more passionate about the creative side? Yeah, I definitely am. I love to create and splash and play music. And that's like for sure. Part of the reason why I'm doing real estate is to fund that, fund this being yes. creative and writing and doing things and having freedom, which I'm already experiencing a lot of with this Airbnb. I've been just running just honestly, like the, the numbers on it, just like I do here at my music school. And I told Vince, this is our goal. This is what we need to be netting per month. And if mm -hmm. we don't, we need to have a conversation to figure out why, because yes. I let you down. You know? And so one of the things I've actually started singing, I started singing opera about a year and a half ago, uh, Russian dude, he's been doing it for 40 years. 
I'm Italian. He says, you don't sing. I said, no, he goes, all Italians sing. I didn't know that. So I started singing. It's one of the hardest things you could possibly do is to teach somebody to sing operatically properly with using the throat, not, not pushing. It is amazingly difficult. I've it's taken me a year and a half to master that concept, to understand how to brace, how to actually, it's just, it's wild. And the reason why I say that is if I can do that, and you can learn how to sing. It's the same process. It's a framework. It's taking the time. It's having the belief. It's having a great teacher and having belief in the teacher yeah. and then oh, just yeah. following what they're telling you to do. It's like underwriting. When I started singing, he told, he said, Gino, start singing. I was like, I know what to sing. I sing Guns N' Roses. So he pulls out Santa Lucia. He goes, starts. So mare luciga, la hastro d'argento, placido la onda. And I'm, okay, so I start singing. He's like, you've got talent, but you're, you're raw. You don't know what you're doing. You're going to hurt yourself. People lose their voices. So my point was, I started underwriting years and years ago. And this is for everyone starting a multifamily or starting any new venture. It's going to suck. It's going to be confusing. It's going to be hard. But the reason why you do it is that picture that you have 30 years from now, what do you want to achieve? Don't worry about it sucking because we all suck when we first start doing something. That's the reality. And if we can figure that out and go, okay, I'm a big Jeter fan. Jeter probably sucked when he was young playing baseball, but he stuck through it, played, played, grounded out, grounded it out. And there's, we don't discuss that actual part of it. We think that everyone's born you know, a winner. It's really the fixed mindset versus the growth mindset. I have a much bigger growth mindset right now where I know that I'm going to stink at whatever I try, but I'm going to try my best and I'm going to learn and I'm going to fail and I'm going to learn and I'm going to fail. I'm going to keep going back. I'm going to keep putting in the time. Whereas the fixed mindset says, you know what? I've been told I've been good my whole life. Now I'm coming up against a challenge. I'm, I'm going to quit. I, I can't do this. And that's the difference between somebody who's successful and somebody who isn't. The one who's successful adopts the growth mindset. Look at John Macarno. John Macarno was successful, but could he have been more successful? Absolutely. He was the biggest douche there was because he had a fixed mindset. It was never his fault. Sawdust, someone yelling, making noise. He was sick. It was always a, it was always an excuse. If he adopted the growth mindset and tried to learn from it, the guy would have been unstoppable. You know, look at the guys we have now, whether it's Djokovic, whether it's Federer, those guys all have, they basically dominated tennis for the last 20 years. If you think about it, they all adopt the growth mindset where they're constantly learning, constantly trying to get better. And I think that's where you can bring that into real estate, into music, into whatever facet you're doing in your life, you will get better. You just need to take time and don't ever go out and compare yourself to somebody else. That's the worst thing that you could possibly do because you are your own person. God gave you your own unique abilities and you have to figure out what they are. And if you work on them, you will get better at them. I'm getting so pumped up right now, you guys. I'm super pumped. I'm you're super pointed. <laughs> well, you know, you're such a good speaker, man. You're just like, you're like, ah, like, I feel like I should be writing all this down like verbatim. You know, well, after a while, you've gone through life and you figure yourself, you, you figure it out. You're like, my biggest thing, Andrew, my problem was as I was becoming successful, I didn't really enjoy it as much. I'm like, okay, what's the next thing? Oh, we got 100 units. Oh, great. Drew, got 300 units now. Oh, Jake, we just did a refi. 500, five, you know how much money $500,000 is to me? You know how many pizzas that is? It's like, it's like a thousand. That's how I would, that's how I would relate money in dollars. How many pies I had to make profit. I mean, like I'm making more in a month now than I used to make in a year. And, and so when does happiness come? I mean, happiness comes when you decide that you've really, uh, it, it's more of a feeling. And, and I feel that way now because I, that's why I've created Jake and Gino. I really enjoy what I'm doing. I love what I'm doing. And I want everyone to really enjoy and love what they're doing. And it's not really 
doing what's pat what you're passionate about like get up in the morning go to work you gotta love your work love what you do get good at it then all of a sudden you're gonna realize oh i like doing this and like for business i don't think anybody wakes up and goes man i love business no you you love multifamily i love business because i'm getting better at it and i'm getting more refined at it and my skills are getting better and i can execute better and that's and i enjoy it more so for me i think the key to life is just to have gratitude, to be happy, and to understand why you're doing something and, and, and to figure out, okay, I want to be this person. How do I get to become that person? And not be afraid to change because change is part of life. You're either growing, you're dying. That's what a lot of the gurus out there are saying. And I mean, for those of them, for those of us that are dying out there, it's a it's not a great feeling. That's a feeling of despair. That's a feeling of unhappiness. So get out there and figure out what you want to do. And then ultimately, like Vince did, he went and surrounded himself with some amazing people, went to a conference, sat next to my little brother who's hooking him up with people that he never knew. And all of a sudden, He's excited. He's coming back and he's learning. It, that's what I think the essence of life to me is, is to figure out what you want to do and then try to surround yourself with amazing people. And if you can find a partner to along the way to help you out and to really partake in that, I think, I think you'll have a great life. Yeah, it's real quick, man. That, that event you guys did in Florida was super fun. It was a great time. You had mm -hmm. insane speakers, uh, super educational, inspirational Obviously, the networking is a huge part of it, man. It was it was a really well done event. It was great seeing you guys. Yeah, well, we're having one this year. We're having the MM5 this year on the fifth. It's about it's going to be about the same amount of people. We had eight hundred people last year. This year, we have we're going to have about a thousand. Uh, it's on the fifth and sixth of November. But what I like about it, we're having somebody called Ryan Sorhan, million dollar listing agent there, and he sold a billion and a half in real estate. And for those of you who are in real estate who want yeah, to build a brand, he's yeah. going to be talking about brand. Branding is important. Uh, yeah. We have Luke Ren who was there last year motivational speaker for Tony Robbins. Um, it's just, it's just going to be, it's, it's multifamily buy, right, manage, right, finance, right. But like you said, when you go to these events, you just meet people there. You meet your network there. You meet partners there. You meet investors there. You possibly meet people who have deals there. And it's just a great weekend. I mean, I, I we bring the family. Disney's there. We call it the financial vacation for smart people. So that's why we, that's why we do it in, in Disney and in, in Orlando. And um, it's going to be a lot of fun this year too. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. We actually did meet a few like key people and it's super random. Remember uh, Ricky Bobby, Vince? Well, we call him Ricky Bobby because he's got this interesting, he's an Indian guy. You know, I'm not going to call it his name. He's got like two first names, like, you know, it, and he's just the <laughs> nicest guy and we kept in touch and he ended up coming out here showing his son some of these colleges out who's about to graduate and we ended up getting a dinner with him and, you know, he's ready to do a deal with us. Together. Yeah. What's that? You went to the OC fair together with him? Yeah, I went to the fair son. together. He met my uncles. We all had some beers. He's just a super cool guy, man. And uh, that's awesome. Real smart guy as well. And, and I'm super excited. You know, so we not only got education and enthusiasm and energy from that event, but we also met people who you just never know. They're like, oh, you're aligned and aligned with what I want to do. Perfect. Yes. Let's do something. You know, yes. it's really great. And then going yeah, back to what you're, what's that, buddy? So sorry, go for it. I was saying, going back to like, I really want to make sure that anyone listening understands that point that um, Gina was making. I love that you were super about like that growth mindset. For me, when I was younger, I was a perfectionist. Like I, I felt like I couldn't make a mistake and I was really insecure about it. I don't know why. And I remember, I remember like there wasn't like a moment, but it was like a process where I just kind of realized, oh, I have to fail at this. Like this is just all part of it. Like I just, no one told me that. And the second I just accepted that I'm going to have to have some hard days and eat a shit sandwich once in a while, while doing whatever it is, learning a skill set, building a business, 
buying real estate, especially our first triplex is infamous now. Um, but yeah, having that growth mindset is a complete game changer. Staying humble, knowing that you're going to make mistakes. And as long as you're learning from those mistakes, you stay true to the course and to your vision. It would be weird if you weren't successful. Mm -hmm. You just keep going, keep showing up. 90% of it's just showing up, you know? I agree. So I, I love that. That's a great point, you know? Hey, uh, Gino, I wanted to uh, talk a little bit. I know uh, it's about time to close shop, but I wanted to talk about, uh, we talked about the event. Obviously, I, I already got the tickets and the hotel and the flight, so I'll be there. Uh, we'll hang out. Uh, but for the, so why do you think it is necessary to just network and meet people in person? Why can't I just buy your book, read it, and watch your YouTube videos? That should be good, right? It could be. And I'll give you a specific reason why anybody who wants to be successful needs to surround themselves with like-minded people. Uh, for us, we do these boot camps for our students. And we go to certain uh, properties. We were at a property in Nashville. We were touring somebody's property with our students. He sent us on about 150 students on buses. We actually went to the property. We were taking notes on how this operator was operating his properties. We were actually learning from this operator. So there's always something you can always learn from somebody else. When you're stuck in your box at home watching your YouTube videos, you're saying to yourself, I'm doing the same thing over and over again. I'm not exposing myself to anything different. But when you get outside the box and you start talking to other people and you start seeing what they're doing. For us, I'll give you another example. When we bought a property years ago, about five years ago, this general was using non-refundable moving fees. We were used to security deposits. You know, no one ever back then, five, six years ago, it, was, it wasn't as prevalent in the market. We decided to do it. Something absolutely new that someone was doing, we're willing to try it ourselves. So if you're staying home and watching YouTube videos, that's great. There's no energy there. And the biggest word is there's no accountability there. You can shut that video off and go to sleep or do whatever, but no one's actually watching you do what you say you're doing. But when you come to an event and you have people there and you partner up with people or you join a community, all of a sudden those people know that you're part of the community. Vince, you spent thousands of bucks to come to this event. Guess what? You've got skin in the game. You're going to go there. You're going to make the most out of that weekend. You're going to network as much as possible, have a great time, but have a ton of energy and learn something, bring something home new and implement it. It's like a real, you know, it really is a financial vacation when you clear your mind, you're actually meet some people and you get some great ideas. And it is the accountability piece and it's the education piece that I think you're really lacking when you're watching videos or you're by yourself, because I tried to do that for a little while and it did not work for me. My, my growth came when I went to coaching school, I became a life coach. And that's Drew was talking about um, the growth mindset and, and, and being stuck and being a perfectionist. Once you start asking yourself those great questions you start getting great answers. We're used to asking ourselves really shitty questions like, what do you want to do? Well, I don't want to do this. Well, that's not the question I asked you. I asked you, what do you want to do? Not what you don't you do not want to do. So really, how do you get to know the questions you need to ask? Because you need to surround yourself with other people who are doing what you're doing and talk to them and learn from them as well. And they're part of the space. And they then they become part of your environment. I went to an event uh, about a month ago in July in Hawaii. I took the whole family out and I spoke at this event. There's about 200 investors out there, but it was an amazing event because I got to meet a lot of people who are military. I got to sit next to a gentleman named Steve Metner, who is a billionaire in Hawaii. Got to sit with him at the VIP. 
never would have had that experience if I was on YouTube. How am I going to experience that? I mean, the guy never goes out. He's nowhere. But to be able to speak to him and to be able to say to him, Steve, you've got all this money. You've got three children. How are you a steward of your money? And how are you actually giving money to your children without spoiling them? So I've got, I, he gave me the idea of what he's doing. I'm like, wow, that's great. I want to be able to set up my trusts and the way that I give kid money, money to my children. If I didn't have that conversation with him, if I wasn't at that event, I wouldn't have had that conversation with him. So get out there, start experiencing it. You know, it's great. The computer, you can do a lot. You can go on Google, you can go on MLS, you can track median income. But when it comes down to it, get out to these events and start networking and meeting other people because that there's money sitting out there to be made. And there's something to say when you can go to somebody, look them in the eyes and shake their hands and try to build a rapport with that person. Yeah, it's super true. I, I was just uh, um, trolling everyone to say that you could do it on YouTube. You you can't, guys. I mean, I I even spend a couple bucks extra to hang out with like Gino and like Vinny and Luke Ren and get like a little private dinner. Kind of really blew my mind. Like just spending five hundred bucks or so, you kind of get access to you. And now I have you on the podcast. You know, like That's I right. wouldn't be able to talk to you. So it's just like it's 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 literally like just paying like a somewhat of a premium to to just download like Gino's brain for like 20 minutes, it's worth it. Like, I mean, Vinny Chopra owns, I think a billion dollars of real estate mm -hmm. for him to talk to me uh, just normally. It's not possible. I, I can never meet him. He's so he's in a castle, like literally. Right. But if mm -hmm. you go to this event, he'll be like, oh, okay, he's willing to spend some time. We'll talk to you. You know, That's so right. then you start hanging out with these kind of people. And then you, you, you stop thinking about like, your regular friends was talking about a, you know, a game or something. And you're like, dude, I'm trying and all to all of a sudden you raise your standards, your standards are yeah. raised and you can't go back to lower your standards, right? You either, your friend's standards either go up or you leave your friends and you meet new friends and those standards go in alignment. Like you two guys, all of a sudden your standards and mine and Jake's standards are totally different. We're willing to work on vacation. That's the reality. We, we're business owners. We have tons of employees who are, who are, you know, relying on us to do the stuff. So, I can't pack it in for two solid weeks. It's not going to be possible. The wife's not going to love it, but that's the reality. And I know that he do the same thing. So once you raise those standards and as you get older in life, you learn more, you better be raising your standards as you get older in life, whether it's, especially for business with faith, with your family, you learn more as you learn more, your standards should be rising as well. Yeah, man, that's, that's really, yeah, I, I really believe that too. I know we are out of running out of time. So I wanted to close with this, you know, Drew and I talk about this a lot and I'll, I'll, I'll share mine and then maybe you can share yours. You know, none of this is really, nobody's really going to do this unless you have a very strong why. So, you know, for, I wanted to ask you about yours, but for me, it's, um, I really love my family. I love Drew's family. So it almost uh, like tears me up when I talk about it, but it's very important for me to take care of these people. So what is it for you? What is your why that you're willing to do so much hard work? Is, is it your family, um, you know, kids? Well, I think it's two pronged for me. When I was at the restaurant, I was working really hard and I hated coming home tired and I hated coming home that I hated my job. I was a hard worker. When you work in the, when you work in a kitchen, you have to work hard. So I wasn't being good, good role model to my kids because my kids are like, well, dad works hard. He's not really home. He hates his job. 
and I wasn't growing as a person. I just wanted to get better. I wanted to enjoy what I was doing. So it's sort of selfish on my part, my why. Obviously, the the outcome of being better is going to be a better provider. But I was already sort of providing for them. But I just wanted to be a better role model to them. I wanted to tell them that hard work is great. You need to work hard in life to be successful in life. I don't care what anybody says. As you get older, you, you that may change. But if you don't start off by working hard, you're not going to be successful in life. You work hard, then you work smart, then you work with passion. I think that's probably the framework that most people end up figuring it out. But for me, it really was just to be a role model for my kids and to and to include them in the business. I was always working in a family business environment. So to have them learn these skills and me, ultimately, it's also about teaching. We, we have this problem in the country with race and with class. I, I think we have a class problem. I, I think people are so financially unintelligent that there's a problem here. If we can solve that problem, a lot of our problems will go away. So if I can be part of that catalyst with the Personal Finance Academy, with the books I've written, and with discussing finance, I would love to be part of that conversation because I think that's where all of our problems stem. When you get out of college and you have $200,000 in student debt, how much options do you have? My daughter's 23 years old. She has no student debt. She became a Catholic missionary. I don't know if she'd be a missionary if she had 200 grand in student debt. She'd be paying off her debts. I gave her the opportunity to have that option to say, dad, I'm peace. I'm peacing out for a year. You deserve it, Gabs. Go ahead. So that's, that's what I think I'd like to be a part of, to be able to help people realize that we have options in life. And if you understand finance and you understand that money is really a game, that's what money is. If you're playing the game and you're playing hockey and you're playing with a football, you're not playing the game with the right rules. Learn the rules of money. They're not, there's not, they're not really challenging. Just understanding those rules will put you on a better path than what most people are currently on right now. That's a great analogy, man. It's the game. You know, that's kind of the way I think about business. It, mm -hmm. When I was uh, in high school, I would get really into a video game and, and like I wouldn't stop playing it until like no one wanted to play me. <laughs> I do not know where that came from, uh -huh. but I don't play video games anymore. Ironically, Vince just gave me his like old Xbox. It's been sitting there. I haven't touched it. I, I want to. It looks it sounds fun right now. Just thinking about it, I'm like, oh, that sounds like a fun thing. But uh -huh. I'm I'm having so much fun playing this game. Yes. You know, this is all part of the game, getting to talk to great guys like yourself, yes. getting inspired, educated. They're, they're, I just love it, you know, yes. and, and so far we're, we're we're sticking it out through the to the, the tough uh, levels and 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 ascending. So it's been right. the, the funnest game. That's awesome. Vance, what you got? You going to play some video games today? <laughs> no, I mean, our my video game is trying to buy a 12 plex in Tampa with Nico and. Uh, and uh, Bob, do you know Robert Carlson as well? He's also yes, in I do know Rob Yeah, he joined a couple of years ago. And that's the thing. Yeah. So what he's what, on my team, yeah. Yeah, but what successful people do is that's what they do. The rules of money. You want to become successful, you're going after multifamily, you're not playing Xbox. I mean, there's a time and a place to play Xbox. How many listeners out there are watching football Sunday for seven or eight hours? For I haven't I haven't watched seven hours of football in the last three years. People spend their whole Sundays doing that. I have different things. I spend time with my family and I work on Sundays a little bit. So just where are your priorities, where are you spending your time will tell you what you're committed to and what you want your future to look like. That's the reality, folks. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I still love a good uh, playoff game. You know, I still watch playoffs, but I don't watch all of the, you know, 50 hours every week for your whole life. You know, that's just crazy. Yes, yes. You're, yeah. you're playing their agenda. You're on their agenda. It's not your agenda. It's not making you wealthy. It's making them wealthy, which is fine. But that's the yeah. choice that we have. You can either watch the games all day, 
But have if you do that, make sure that you have time to dedicate to your business. Most people, that's the release. So they work 50 hours a week on Sunday. That Sunday's for them, but they're not building time, spending time to build their business. That's the problem. Yeah, I man, that's true. So I have a last question for you. This will be the last question from me. Uh, uh, I usually like to ask uh, this to some guests. It's, you know, I usually hear, Drew, you probably hear this too. Hey, man, people sitting on the sidelines, they're like, market's crazy, bro. Interest rates are up. The feds are going crazy. Inflation's high. I'm going to wait this one out. I I'm hear this so often. Crash. It's upsetting. Like literally yesterday, like, someone was like, oh, you're still doing real estate, right? I'm like, yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I don't know, man. I think I want to wait. <laughs> I'm like, no, <laughs> you know, sorry, yeah, it's, it's, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I'm very passionate. Yeah, yeah, no worries. But that's that's pretty much where I'm going to, what Drew's saying. So there's people on the sidelines. I, I literally teach people, I take time out of my life to actually educate them. I spend hours with them and they say, yeah, but, you know, the market's a little crazy. I'm going to sit it out and then I'm going to buy, you know, in the next crash. Like, what do you tell? I want to help these guys. I'm not trying to be a uh, like a dick, right? So, so the what first, you- thing you, first thing you need to ask them is, well, what did you think about 2018? Was the market at a high back then? Yeah, super what, high. What about 2019? Was it at a high? Oh, even worse. What about 2020? Oh, that was it. That was that was going to crash. What about sure. 2021? It hasn't crashed 2022? Yeah. It's only the right time when you're ready. You can buy real estate when the market's going up and you can buy real estate when the market's going down and you can make money. You just have to know how to buy. And how do you know when the market's going down, bro? If you don't understand what a market cycle is, you don't understand valuations. And how are you going to get deals, bro? If you don't know who brokers are in the market and you don't have those relationships, it takes a little bit of time. So when you're ready to jump in, all of a sudden we're in a recession. Rates are up. Sky's falling. I can't get in because it's a bad time. Well, what... And it's funny because Zig Ziglar had this analogy. I, I Give me 30 seconds because it's really great. And I, I can't do it in his voice, but this is basically how his story went. School starts, too busy. Kids are back to school. Oh, the, the fall's going. Oh, Halloween, can't do Halloween. Football season. Oh, you know what? Thanksgiving holidays, too busy. Thanksgiving holidays. Oh, the wintertime is too damn cold. Oh, we got spring and, 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 and you know, got Easter going on. I'm going to go fishing. Oh, back to summertime. Summertime, great weather. Oh, September kids back to school. That's what people's life is all about. There's always an excuse throughout the year not to take action. And that's fine. They haven't thought about their plan. They haven't thought about their vision and they haven't thought about why they're doing something. Now is the right time to get into real estate because it's going to take you a little bit of time to create relationships, to learn the skills you need, to actually attract the money that you need to get into these deals. If it's not the right time now, then it will never be the right time. And I'm yeah, sure you guys have some mentorship and education on your end that you could probably help these kind of people that we're referring to, right? It what, is. what are those it's, sources? It's just it's just mindset. I mean, just go to jakeengineer.com. Like like Vince said, start with the podcast, start with the YouTube. We have PDF downloads, get all the resources, start and say to yourself, Well, this is a great vehicle. How can this fit into my life? That's that's how you basically start with anything. Make sure that you resonate with the with the people that are trying to teach you, that are trying to educate you, make sure they fit with your values if they align with you. And once they do, success leaves clues. Go out there and find out the people who are successful are continuing to do it. Yeah, I don't want to be, uh, I'm not trying to promote Jake and Gino, but uh, the, the thing that I really like about the community is it's a lot of syndications all about flipping the property over in three years, getting the um, you know fees and closing and all the manager thing. But uh, Jake and Gino, the people are on for long-term holds. That's what yes. Drew and I like to do. If we refinance, we keep the people in the same equity position. We're not kicking That's them right. out of the deal. 
So I, I like the like-mindedness of that community. That's that's mm-hmm. what I really like. That's why I'm going back. So, Well, Vince, the last thing before you, we wrap up, it really comes down to your goals. I mean, we teach all the strategies. We know how to sell our finance. We've sell our finance over 20 million bucks in deals. We've refied over $15 million from our portfolio. We've syndicated three deals. We buy small deals. We buy big deals. We, we've done a little bit of it all. And it really comes down to what tool are you using in the toolbox at whatever particular market cycle. Right now, seller financing is going to become more hot. It hasn't been. Syndications may slow down a little bit. You just need to learn all the strategies and then say, I can use this for this deal. I can use that for that deal. And that's why I think we've been successful. And then on top of that, it's managing these assets. It's sexy to buy a deal. It's really sexy to finance a deal. But when you got to manage the deal, you have to build processes. We create multifamily entrepreneurs. That's what our goal is. That's what our vision is, is to be able to teach students how to manage these deals because they're in it for the long haul. That's how you create wealth. And if you don't do it yourself, Let's get third-party property management, but let's teach them the systems. Let's hold them accountable to actually managing the asset for us. That's awesome. That's where uh, we get uh, Jake and Drew and get the hell out, Gina. Let them manage that crap. <laughs> hey, uh, every, Drew, any- every week, I'm like, hey, guys, what's happening? Give me the play-by-play. I tag Vince in all these emails. It's just like, it's, it's a lot, but yeah, no, I, I, I enjoy it. It's like a game. It's a game. I want to thank yeah. you guys for thank you guys for having thank me on. You, this, is, this is enjoyable. I mean, if there's anything I can do, reach out to me. It's Gino Jakeandgino.com. That's my email. Go to Jakeandgino.com and hit us up. And like Vince said, November 5th and 6th, come to the event, experience something different, bring the family. Disney's there. It's a financial vacation for smart people, guys. We'll yeah, be there as well, man. Looking forward to seeing you in November, man. Thank you again for your time. Yeah. Thanks, See, guys. Gino, thank you so much. Yep. 